Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, coming to you this 10th of October to celebrate the 19th Sunday after Trinity. But before we turn to that, I'll direct your attention to the Congregation of Prayer as sent in the email to our congregation or on the link in the episode notes of this podcast. As I said last week, we're going to be going over uh, the part of the box at the top of the page, which is titled the, The Catechesis of the Divine Service. And for this, we're using a book called The Explanation to the Common Service. That is the divine service we usually do here at Christ the King, which is divine service setting three in the hymnal. Today, we're looking at the differences between private and public worship. Now, in this age of the pandemic, where so many churches have started putting their worship services online, it's important, vitally important, to know the difference between what is private worship, which is done alone or in the home with your family, and public worship, which is done in the gathering around the Word of God at church. Private worship is, as uh, the Congregation at Prayer says, the communion of the individual soul with God. You would most likely think of this as private and family devotions that you do throughout the week at home. And the Congregation at Prayer is a tool to do exactly that. Now, In the Lutheran Service Book, which is our church's hymnal, and the Treasury of Daily Prayer put out by CPH, there are the orders of daily prayer, as well as prayer offices like matins and morning prayer, vespers and evening prayer, and compline for the end of the day. And all those are for this, exactly for this, private worship. And if you want something a little more in-depth, there's also something called the Brotherhood Prayer Book, which offers even more prayer offices throughout the day. Now, all these will lead you through the reading of Scripture, praying the Psalter, and other prayers of the church. So those are all useful tools. But private worship, alone or with the family, it is important. But it doesn't stand alone. Private worship is always meant to flow out of the Sunday morning worship service back into the Sunday morning worship service of the next week. It's a week-to-week thing. Because on Sunday morning, as well as during midweek Advent and Lenten Vespers and divine services for special feast days throughout the week like Christmas, Sunday morning is when we gather for public worship. And as the sheet says, it is the common and united worship of believers in the unity of the body of Christ assembled in the church. In other words, physically assembled together. Public worship, the weekly Sunday divine service, is the most important worship each and every week of the Christian's Christian's life. It is established by apostolic rule in the scriptures. And you can even see Christ heading up a public worship service on the Emmaus Road, where two or more are gathered, there is public worship in the church. And it is a permanent institution. It was established during the time of the apostles by the apostles. It's continued for two millennia up to today, and it will continue until Christ returns. And Sunday worship has been done universally throughout the church, everywhere the true church is found on earth, whether in the East or in the West. Now, now I said that during the pandemic, 
during the time of the pandemic that it is important to know this difference between private and public worship. With so many churches putting their services online, many people think that by watching a service on Facebook or Zoom or listening to a podcast or any way you can on the computer or the radio, they think that when they've watched it or listened to it that they have participated in public worship. But my friends, that is not the case because you are not gathering publicly, physically with other believers in the same space around the word. Instead, People that use these things are using the help of technology to enhance their public worship, which is completely fine. And for those during the pandemic that can't make it to church, it's completely appropriate. And obviously, for those who can't make it to church, even I encourage the use of these things, as we've been putting out this podcast for over 18 months now. But the problem begins when people think that this is a substitute for public worship, or that is a that it is a form of public worship. It isn't either of those things. Because not only is it lacking in true fellowship of worshiping side by side with other believers in person, but but also because it leaves you out of the holy communion of which we partake of around the altar, which we have to do physically together. You need the sacrament to sustain your faith. You need the fellowship of the saints to sustain your faith, which means you need to be in church with the gathering of the saints. Or for those who are homebound, you need the church to come to you in pastoral communion. So as I've always said, use this podcast to enhance your life, to learn about scripture and Lutheranism. But don't think it replaces public worship. Don't think it replaces you going to the divine service to be gathered with the other believers, to partake of the sacrament with them. Because it doesn't. The truth is, private worship depends on public worship. If you refuse public worship, your private worship will not survive. And that's what we have to say about that. And now we turn to our Matins podcast with the hymn, The Advent of Our King.
open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth. The Lord delivereth them out of all their troubles. For this God is our God for ever and ever. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will show to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and his strength, and his wonderful works that he hath done. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth. The Lord delivereth them out of all their troubles. For this God is our God, forever and ever. The Old Testament lesson for this 19th Sunday after Trinity is written in the 28th chapter of Genesis, beginning at the 10th verse. Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed and saw a stairway set up upon the earth, and its top reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 
Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. I will give the land you lie on to you and to your offspring. Your offspring will be as the dust of the earth, and you will spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. In you and in your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you again into this land. For I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken of to you. Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than God's house, and this is the gate of heaven. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. O Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The epistle is written in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the twenty-second verse. Brothers, put away, as concerning your former way of life, the old man that grows corrupt after the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, who in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, putting away falsehood, speak truth each one to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and don't sin, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, and don't give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, producing with his hands something that is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus entered into a boat, and crossed over, and came into his own city. Behold, they brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, and take up your mat, and go to your house. He arose, and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled, and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, at the top of the service, we sing a curious hymn, The Advent of Our King. It's curious because look around you. The hymn is in the Advent part of the hymnal. It's October, not December. The banners in church are green, not blue. The Advent wreath and the Christmas tree are not here. They're still deep in storage. If you have those at home, they're probably in storage for you too. The season of Advent is weeks away. So what gives with all of this? In this Trinity season, the church now turns her attention to our Lord's second Advent, Throughout the Trinity season, we've heard about the kingdom of God, how how it's proclaimed, how it was founded, how we as the baptized live in it. Now, though, in this part of the Trinity season, in these final weeks, the church looks toward the completion and fulfillment of the last things in these last days when the kingdom is fulfilled. We look forward to when Christ will come again in glory to make his rule Known, we turn our attention in this second advent to our waiting here on earth, to the saints waiting in heaven, to what we need to do to prepare for his return. And this morning, St. Paul sums up our gospel lesson and how we are to prepare for Christ's coming. As he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. As we prepare in these last days, what we hear today is our Lord telling us to put off our old selves and to put on the new self. Now, in our gospel... The scriptures begin to show us this in the second verse where it says, And behold, some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. What is shown to us here early on in the gospel is the image of a poor man, which really deserves our pity, because this man can do nothing for himself. He is numb below the waist, but he could very well likely be paralyzed below the neck. Whether he was conceived and born this way or whether he was struck by a tragic accident sometime in his life, we don't know. But either way, that doesn't change the picture. If others don't do everything for him, this man is dead. Left to his own, he is dead. And unable to move any part of his body, many probably saw him as the living dead. Which is why, when he wanted to see our Lord, he needed a congregation of people to bring him on a stretcher. Now, as we picture, as we see the image of our head of this poor man, can any of us deny that this image describes us spiritually to a T? Because that's what it does. All of us, spiritually, are this paralyzed man. Because spiritually, we are paralyzed. In our old selves, we are born into Adam's sin. That is, we are conceived in sin, born into sin. We call it hereditary or 
sometimes original sin that we get from Adam. And what this means is when we are conceived, we are conceived in Adam's image. When we were born, we came into this world with the original guilt of Adam and with the punishment of our sin hanging over our head. We were born as the old self, as the old Adam. Because you see, sin is not just an action. Sin is a corruption that has corrupted all men since the fall. And so we are paralyzed. That is our old selves. We're we're corrupted and paralyzed. That's what our old selves, the old Adam, means. That we cannot feel the deepness of our sin. In our old selves, we cannot feel ourselves spiritually. We can't move spiritually. We can't do anything spiritually. In fact, we are so spiritually paralyzed that we're born not knowing how paralyzed we are. Yet in our flesh, this corruption leads to deceitful desires that leads to more corruption. Desires of anger and rage when someone cuts us off in traffic or doesn't put us first in their lives. Desires of lust that turn people into objects for our own pleasure. Desires of greed that cares nothing for the needy neighbor. Desires of the wicked tongue that wants to put others beneath us. Desires of coveting where we become angry. When others have and we don't have. In our old selves, we are spiritually paralyzed by original sin and death. We're paralyzed deeper by these sins that we indulge in. So deeply do we fall into the web of these sins, into the web of this corruption, that we become paralyzed in heart and affections, in soul and conscience, in mind and will. And so captive, we become So captive do we become in this web, so paralyzed do we become, until we are completely numb. Numb to the point of hating God and thanking nothing, caring nothing for family, friends, and neighbors. So as we prepare for our Lord's second advent, here is Paul telling us how to prepare for it. Put off the old self, that is, put off the old Adam. Put off this old, paralyzed Adam. Paul is telling us to prepare by seeing our need as we lay there spiritually paralyzed. And our need is to put off our old selves with all its sin and corruption. But how are we to put off this old self when we're spiritually numb and can't move? Well, for that, hear what Christ says as this congregation of people brings this man to him. In verse 2, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, 
who had given such authority to men. Now, for those who reject Paul, for those who think they have no need to put off the old self, well, of course they think that Christ is here blaspheming. Because to them, to earn forgiveness of sins before God, the old self needs to move and merit the forgiveness of sins for itself. The old self needs to achieve its own glory and righteousness to stand before God. Such people that reject putting off the old self are so numb that they refuse to believe they are paralyzed, and they are so numb that the Pharisees think that Christ, who is the Son of God, is blaspheming. But for those of us that see and feel this need, what we see here is that Christ is the only way. Because this is why Christ came. So that when we are carried to his feet, when we are paralyzed and carried to his feet, he may look at you and tell you, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And so that he may take our paralysis into himself. That's what he does. Because it was on the cross where he had the nails driven into his hands and feet, and he was unable to move as he became sin for us. This is how we put off the old self. Baptized into Christ, we are baptized into him who was crucified. He was nailed to the cross and unable to move there. In our baptism, we put off our old selves by drowning the old self, drowning the old Adam in the waters. That is how we put off the old self. When the congregation, whether by our parents or friends or other family, however it is, when the congregation brings us spiritually paralyzed to the font, and there our old selves by Christ are put off in the water, They're put off in the water in the word of him who was crucified. And we put on the new self the exact same way. Because we're not just just baptized into Christ's crucifixion, but we're also baptized into his resurrection. His resurrection from the dead where in glory he was free to move and walk out of the tomb. That is how we put on the new self. As we are pulled up out of the baptismal waters, we are renewed in the spirit of our minds. When we come out of the waters, that is when we have put on the new self. That is when, that is where we put on Christ. We put on the new Adam, the new man. Whereas we live in our baptism every day, We are being created, sanctified every day after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That is to say, in our baptism, we put on Christ. We put on the new self as we are created in his likeness, in his righteousness and holiness. This is the blessing of of putting off the old self and putting on the new. It's the blessing of baptism, of living in repentance, of living in our baptism, and every day putting off our old paralyzed self into the waters and putting on our new free self as we come up from the waters. And this is exactly 
This is exactly why the paralyzed man desired to be brought to the feet of his Lord. He didn't go to his Lord. He didn't want to go to his Lord thinking that Jesus was some magical doctor that would heal him. In fact, this man probably wasn't expecting to be healed at all. Because here again what the scriptures say. It says in verse 2, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. The man came not to be healed, but to be forgiven his sins. He came to repent. He came because his faith, which heard the word of God from this congregation of people, his faith sought his Lord. This man came because he wanted to be cleansed and to serve his Lord, even paralyzed on that cot. This again is why Christ came, to die for all, to forgive and free those who are spiritually paralyzed and that come to him repentant. Christ does not turn away such people. Yet Christ not only desires to forgive our sins, he does more than that in this passage. Christ also desires to assure us that our sins are forgiven. He wants us to make sure that we know. That is why he tells the paralytic to take heart. Because he forgives not only the paralytic sins, but also the sins of the entire congregation of people that brought him. That's a plural you. He's he's forgiving all that congregation's sins. As if our Lord were to say, your sins are forgiven. I have put on to you the new self, the new Adam. As if Christ were to say, now live in this new self. Live in your baptism with boldness, with courage. And to make sure that everyone knows this man's, are for, this man's sins are forgiven and that the congregation's sins are forgiven, he tells the man to rise and walk and go home. Christ who is fully man and fully God, does all of this so that this man and this congregation and all of you have the assurance that our sins are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven. This is why at the end of the passage, the people feared and glorified God because God had given the authority to forgive sins to a man, to men. The father gave this authority to the son and the son in the office of the keys gives this authority to the church. And he has told his church to convey this blessing to everyone who is repentant. To tell the repentant that your sins are forgiven, that you are free, that you are free in heart and affection, free in soul and conscience, free in mind and will to love God and love your neighbor. And he tells this church, forgive them their sins and assure them of it. This is why Christ gives us the fellowship of the saints. This is why Christ gives us our congregation so that we can, with the word of God, carry each other to the feet of our Lord. This is what we do for one another. We bring each other, as we are paralyzed by our sin, to the feet of our Lord at the font, at the altar. This is why Christ gives us the office of the ministry. 
which is called the ministry of reconciliation. That is to say, this is why Christ gives us pastors whose entire job it is to announce Christ's forgiveness. Because as we bring the paralyzed to Christ, as the congregation brings the paralyzed to Christ, the congregation is bringing them to the pastor who stands in Christ's stead. They're bringing them to the font where through the pastor, the paralyzed are told by Christ to arise and walk. They're brought to the divine service where we are told we are forgiven. Where we are assured we are forgiven in Christ as he gives us his body and blood to eat and drink. This is why Christ gives us the church. Because it is here in the church, in the gathering of the saints, where he puts off our old selves and where he puts on our new selves. It is in the church where we are made free from our paralysis and made ready for the last day as we go from the font and walk to the altar and feast on his blood, body and blood, strengthening us in his second advent. It is in the church, Christ's own city is the church, where we are made free in heart, soul, and mind to love God and each other, where he assures us of his salvation. And now may God keep all of us in his church until the day of his son's second coming, when he will tell all of us, arise and go home, which will mean arising from our graves, which will mean walking home, to the new heavens and the new earth with him. Until then, let us every day put off our old selves and put on our new selves. Until then, may we pray without ceasing. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins 
and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O Almighty and most merciful God, of your bountiful goodness keep us, we beseech you, from all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready both in body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish those things that you would have done. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. 
and in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise Him and magnify Him forever. We give thanks unto Thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, Thy dear Son, that Thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech Thee to preserve and keep us, this day also, from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please Thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls, and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this Matins podcast, and we invite you to join us for next week's Matins podcast as well, where we'll be celebrating the 20th Sunday after Trinity, and where we'll hear from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. All music for today's podcast, or all the hymn music for today's podcast, comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.